All right, Emmaus, if you would, take your Bible and open to Daniel chapter 6. One of the most famous stories that we'll run into anywhere in the Bible. Uh, Daniel chapter 6, the story of Daniel and the lion's den. I want to give you a couple of notes as we get started here. One thing we talk about at Emmaus, and, and I don't want to miss the chance to reemphasize this from time to time. When we think about gathering for worship, some of the most important worship, some of the most important things that happen on a Sunday morning are what happened before and after we come together in this room for music and prayer and Bible study. Don't miss that those conversations before this gathering, the conversations and things that happened afterward, don't miss how important those are for God's work in your life. I, I know there are times that you're rushing to get out of here because of family commitments or work or things like that, but I think one sign of a healthy church is how long people linger afterward, and you guys linger a long time afterward. <laughs> like, uh, we're trying to get people, that is a good thing. I don't want to miss the chance to say as a pastor what a good thing that is. And that leads into me saying there's a lot of reasons to linger today after the service. So when we get to the end of this sermon, we're going to have a time of invitation, a time of response. We're going to sing a song that's directly connected to the verses that we're going to study this morning. And we want you to respond. If you need prayer this morning, we'll be have pastors down here to pray with you. If you just need to sing that song with everything you have as a commitment to the Lord, we'll do that. And then after the service, here's what we're going to do. If you've been a part of the Stegner's adoption journey, we're going to invite you on stage. They want to take a picture with everyone who's been a part of, of Phoebe's story up to this point. So we're going to do that. Down here at the front, we have prayer cards for our third through sixth graders who are getting ready to go to camp this afternoon. We're going to invite you to come up and take one of these cards and pray for these kids and their leaders through, throughout this week. This week... We have some new carpet that's being put in, which means we have a couple of rooms back this direction that we need to get everything out, and we thought we could either try to schedule a day for people to come up here, or we could just tell you, hey, after the service today, walk through those doors and pick up something heavy, and we're going to take care of it that way, okay? So after the service, if you can help, we need to go through those doors and, and pick up something and help carry it, and there's going to be people over there to direct you the right direction. And on top of all that, the Welches are going to be out in the Mission Center, and they would love to talk to you about Ukraine and ministry to college students and things that are going on. So a lot of reasons to stick around after that we want you to be a part of. But what we have right now in front of us is Daniel and the Lion's Den. I know this is a story you probably grew up with in vacation Bible school, Sunday school. It's a story you've heard a lot about. My prayer this morning is that you would see Daniel in the lion's den, maybe in a way that you never have before, some meaning to this story that you've never seen before. As I was getting ready for this morning, I heard a quote this week that I thought might be helpful. And here's the quote. Tom Elliff, well-known missionary, said, There will always be dogs that are barking, but the parade keeps rolling on. Do you know we live in a world where there are a lot of dogs barking? <laughs> There's a lot of distractions there's a lot of noise around, a lot of chaos. It seems like things that are going on that are trying to take us this way or that way. There's a lot of dogs barking. But friends, as a church, we're just going to keep on going with what God's called us to do. Commitment to the gospel, a commitment to the word of God. Let the dogs bark. We have something in front of us that's way more important that we've committed ourselves to. 
Daniel chapter 6, what you find is Daniel saying, hey, those lions, they may be roaring, but God's plans, they just keep going on. Let's trust him. Let's be faithful to him. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. So we move forward from Babylon. Now we're in the Medo-Persian army, the empire. 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. Verse 2. And over them he put three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel, no surprise here after studying the whole book, but this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an, an excellent spirit was in him and the keen plan to set him over the whole kingdom. How incredible is that, that verse right there? Verse 4, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground of complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Now, question at this point. We have Daniel at work in this Persian kingdom. Now you might be asking yourself, hey, where did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go? Remember those guys at the beginning of the book of Daniel? What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Good news, we found them. Uh, they're actually somewhere in, uh, in Mississippi. Um, so uh, one of our church members was doing some ancestry work, some genealogy work for their family, and she sent me a picture, and she said, I was doing some genealogy work, and my fifth grandfather was named Shadrach Meshach Abednego Rogers. Now, I don't know if you have children coming in your family or if you're looking for name ideas, but I can't imagine doing much better than that. Like, uh, what a trip through elementary and middle school that would be, that that would be the name that you would carry with you. One of the great preachers of the 20th century was actually named Shadrach Meshach. One of the great preachers of the 20th century. So, Phoebe, great name. Uh, Shadrach Meshach Abednego, pretty good option as well. So, uh, now what's happened to Shadrach Meshach and Abednego? A lot of time has transpired by this point, by the time we're getting to Daniel chapter 6. Now there's a lot of connections between the fiery furnace and the lion's den because the way the book of Daniel is put together. But Daniel at this point is probably 75, 80 years old. A lot of time has passed by. Verse 5, these people that are coming against Daniel said, we're not going to find any ground of complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, so to pray to anyone except the king, this one shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Now, let's set the scene here because you need to understand the scene to figure out what's going on in the bigger picture of Daniel and the lion's den. Remember, they're living in exile. 
They are trying to be the people of God in a world that's not particularly interested in the things of God. And if that sounds familiar, it's because we still live in exile. We are trying to be the people of God in a world that's often opposed to the ways of God, in a world that can feel very chaotic, in a world where the dogs bark and the lions roar. We're trying to figure out how do we remain faithful to God. What matters in this story when we're trying to think about this? Well, number one, don't miss Daniel's age. 75, 80, possibly 80 plus in this situation. What we find here is when you're talking about the people of God in exile, you need teenagers who stand firm in the fiery furnace, and you need older adults who stand firm when they're facing the lion's den. And we need both of those. And friends, I am thankful to be a part of an intergenerational church because we need teenagers who are fired up about the things of God, who say, bring on the fiery furnace. I'm interested in following God no matter what. And you know what those teenagers need? They need 75-year-old, 80-year-old, 80-plus, those who have been faithful to the Lord and say, I will continue to be faithful to the Lord. I'm not checking out. More than ever, I'm giving myself to the things of the Lord. I think about even... Where we are as a church family, with Jaron now caring for our senior adults after all of his years of him and Christine being faithful and caring for our teenagers and their families, and now Cody coming in, Cody and Megan coming in and serving with our, with our students, and the way that those two pieces at Emmaus are connected together. That we don't want to be a church where teenagers are over here and older adults are over here. and there's, We need one another, friends. This is how we stay faithful to the things of the Lord, that we are in this together. I think about even, even the example I heard this last week, uh, Kenny Mossman, who if you haven't seen Kenny around, Kenny is serving as an interim pastor over in Carnegie, Oklahoma right now. And I, I had lunch with Kenny this week, and Kenny was telling me about his son, Andrew, who was playing basketball the other night. And Andrew's a good athlete, good basketball player. Andrew came back to Kenny after the game, and he said, Dad, sometimes when I'm playing basketball, I just think about Coach Dub. Um, Now, if you don't know who Coach Dub was, Dub Raper was a wonderful member of our church for all these years. And the reason our kids knew Coach Dub is because he stood outside his Sunday school class hawking donuts to all the kids that walked by after Sunday school. So kids knew you walked by after Sunday school and you went by Coach Dub's class and, and he would hand you a donut. And he talked to those kids and he loved those kids And when those kids are out playing basketball, they're thinking about him. They need examples of what it looks like to love the Lord and be faithful to the Lord no matter the situation you find yourself in. And we want to be that kind of church. And when you find Daniel facing these things late in life, he is caught up in political turmoil of all these manipulative, prideful leaders around trying to make things work. You know what you don't see Daniel doing? Panicking. You know what you see Daniel doing? Being faithful to the Lord. He knows God's at work. He knows God is sovereign. He's trusting him. And what you find Daniel being opposed for is a super cheesy preacher phrase I came up with this week. Daniel is opposed because of his promotion and his devotion. All right? So, so bad you might actually remember it. But uh, uh, he is opposed because he was promoted in the kingdom. He rose to a high rank. And people get really jealous when that happens. And he is devoted to the Lord. And the people in this kingdom didn't like that. Now here's a heart check for you. Let me give you this really quickly. 
One way that you can determine what's going on in your heart is how you respond when another person gets a promotion and when another person grows in their devotion to the Lord. Because what happens? Teenagers, this this is huge for you, but it matters to all of us. Sometimes we see someone else getting promoted or good things happening in their life, and instead of celebrating with them, we become bitter and envious and begins to do something really bad in our soul. Or we see someone growing in devotion to the Lord, and instead of getting excited about that, we actually start to make fun of it a little bit or become cynical or roll our eyes and look at that person becoming religious. You know, where they've never done this before. When you see someone promoted in life, or you see someone becoming more devoted to the Lord, what's happening in your heart? We want to be those who are excited about that, who are celebrating that, not those who are getting in the way like these officials were trying to do right here. Look what happens in verse 10. Verse 10. When Daniel knew, man, underline this verse, highlight it, circle it, write it down this week, and put it up somewhere where you can see. This verse is so huge. When Daniel knew that this document had been signed about not being able to pray to God anymore, you know what he did? He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, and he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Man, what a great phrase, as he had done previously. Daniel's not showing off here. Daniel is just continuing to do what he has done for 80 years now, being faithful to the Lord, praying to the Lord, and no government decree is going to stop him from doing what he has been doing his whole life in devotion to the Lord. Verse 11, Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king, O king, did you not sign an injunction? That anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, Yeah, I did do that. And according to the law of the Medes and Persians, it can't be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, one of those exiles. Man, they're speaking badly of him. One of those exiles from Judah pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. The king doesn't want to do this. He prizes Daniel. He knows Daniel pays attention to him, but he signed this law that can't be revoked. Then these men, oh, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue Daniel, but no political deliverance is going to help Daniel right here. There's another kind of deliverance. Then these men came by agreement in verse 15 to the king and said, Know, O king, it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And then one of our teenagers this morning said, at that point, I'm supposed to say the end, end of the story. (laughs) He was cast into the lions, the lions took him out, end of story. Thankfully, that's not how it ended. But it was a good thought by one of our teenagers who suggested that. So the story doesn't end there. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his signet ring, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Look at verse 18 here. 
Then the king went to his place or his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Think about this contrast really quickly in your mind. In this situation, the king would be expected to have extravagance, to have a party. He has all the things that the world would desire back in his palace. And yet, in this moment, what does he have? He's in distress. He can't sleep. He's not enjoying any of that. Daniel, at this moment, is in the lion's den where everything should be going wrong. But what does he have? He has the presence and the power and the peace and the joy of God with him. You can have every extravagance in the world. You can have everything that people would desire. But if you do not have God's peace and presence with you, you will always be in distress. You will never know the joy and the peace and the hope that comes from God. Verse 19. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. Now, if anyone should be crying in anguish at this point, who is it? It should be Daniel. But the contrast is made here where it's the king who's crying out in anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions. And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. Now, if you're marking in your Bible or you're just, you're just tracking along with this, you're going to see two because words coming up. These two because words are not saying that God rescued Daniel because he's somehow better than everybody else. What they are doing is they are marking out characteristics of people who trust in God's salvation. So you're going to see two because words. And these words mark out characteristics of those who trust in God for salvation no matter what. What you find here in verse 21 is Daniel says this has happened because I was found blameless before him. Not sinless his entire life, but blameless in this situation, remaining devoted to God. And also, I'm blameless before you, O king. I have done no harm to you. Then the king, in verse 23, was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded... In verse 24, and those men who had accused Daniel, they were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Well, that's a verse you don't always hear about Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, that never makes it into the uh, kids' Sunday school lesson, usually, thankfully, or it doesn't show up very well on the wallpaper in the nursery. Uh, it doesn't go well. What's going on with that verse? A couple of things about that verse. First, archaeologists, historians who have researched this time, in Persian governing documents, it was common for the whole family to suffer as the result of one action by someone in the family. So, they have found governing documents related to Persia that say, yeah, this type of thing happened. God's law, 
Deuteronomy chapter 24, says explicitly that the children should not suffer for the sins of their parents. So the action you see here is against the law of God, but matches up with what we found about the law of the Persians. And if you'll hang on just a second, I'll show you why this verse is actually so meaningful. And it it brings a lot of things together here, here in just a moment. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, the reign of Cyrus the Persian. That verse right there is showing us that God's plans are going to come to fulfillment. His people are going to return to the land, that he is going to fulfill all of his good promises that he made to his people. Now, if you're taking notes, here's what we want to do at this point. When you study an Old Testament story, and man, this is so important. If you get confused about Bible study, listen up, because I think this could be helpful for you. When we study these, new, or these Old Testament Bible studies like this, when we look at the characters like Daniel, we want to be able to learn from them about what it means to be the people of God. So we're going to learn from the example of Daniel. You could just put number one, example of Daniel. We want to learn from Daniel's example. But don't miss this. Daniel, Moses, David, Joshua, Esther, you name your Old Testament character, they're not ultimately the hero of the story. We know who this hero of the story is. God is the hero of the story, showing that power through Jesus Christ. So when we look at a story like this, the ultimate message of this story is not, hey, be like Daniel. We learn from Daniel. He provides an example and an encouragement, but ultimately it points to God's salvation. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. I want to start with the example of Daniel. What do we learn from Daniel about being the people of God in exile? Well, we learn the importance of faithful prayer with thanksgiving. Daniel doesn't begin praying when this situation comes to his life. He continues to do what he's already done. So, here's the hard moment that we have to look at our own life. Think about your own life. Think about your prayer life. Does most of my praying come as a result of something happening in my life? So let's call that reactive praying. Or is most of my prayer proactive? I am praying on a regular, constant, disciplined basis so that when those things come in life, my heart is already connected to the ways of God. I'm already giving thanks to God for all of his good blessings. And in those moments, I'm not caught off guard. There's nothing wrong with reactive praying, but don't let that define your prayer life. As the people of God, we want to be known for faithful, proactive, disciplined, constant prayer. Pray in such a way so when the lion's den comes, you're ready for that. Daniel's not having to react in this situation. He's just doing what he's already done. And that leads to the second point that I think is particularly important this morning. This idea of consistent devotion to God and his word. If there's one thing, if I had to just get rid of everything and focus you in on one thing this morning, this is probably it. 
And here's the reason. We live in a world where one of two things tends to dominate. Either we live in a world where you're tempted to always be pushed to the extreme. Everything's polarized. You're either with this group of people or against this group of people, and constantly we're being barked at by dogs. We have all these ideas coming at us, all these extremes coming at us, all this polarization forcing us to go to these extremes. We have all these things coming at us. Or here's the other thing that happens. Our spiritual life becomes dominated by hype. We need hype. We need adrenaline. We constantly need the next new thing to come at us. Friends, the most important thing we can do as followers of Jesus is just have day-to-day consistent devotion to the Lord. That our lives are not dominated by every dog that barks or every lion that roars. Our lives are not dominated by hype. Now let's, let's be clear, Falls Creek is fantastic. And when we gather together on Sunday morning and raise our hands and give thanks to God through these songs, that's fantastic. I'm all about those experiences. But those experiences aren't necessary to drive our life. We are driven by consistent devotion to the Lord. And in a world that's often chaotic, in a world that's very polarized, you know what will stand out? Day-to-day, consistent devotion to Jesus. And when I think about this, I think about my grandfather on, on my mom's side, my mom's dad. When my grandfather passed away several years ago, and I was trying to write something for his funeral, I was trying to think of a way to describe him. And I describe my grandfather as an extraordinarily ordinary man. And I meant that as the highest compliment imaginable. He was an extraordinarily ordinary man. At his funeral, when you had dozens of men standing up because they were in his eighth grade Sunday school class over the years, no one's going to know his name. He's not going to be published in any book. But you know what he did? Year after year, he taught eighth grade boys Sunday school. And those kids came to love him, and they came to love the Lord. And when they grew into men, they turned around and did that for other boys in the church. And he took his week of vacation every year, and he went to Falls Creek. If I get one week of vacation, I'm not going to Falls Creek. I have to be honest with you. That's probably not how I'm going to use my one week of vacation every year. He did. He took his week of Falls Creek, and he invested in those kids Took his week of vacation, invest in those kids at Falls Creek. Consistent devotion to the Lord. You may be tempted to think that your devotion to the Lord doesn't very, matter very much. You don't hold any position in the church. You don't have a ton of spiritual gifts. You get confused by the Bible sometime. You don't feel like you have a lot to bring to the table. But can I tell you what you do bring to the table? You bring a love for the Lord that you can pass on to others. And you bring a consistency about your love for the Lord that when everything is going like this and people need something to look to, they can look to your example of following after the Lord. That we have resilient hope in Jesus. We may not be the most impressive, but we have the most impressive God. And we love him, and we're going to be devoted to him. So let's take that as the example of Daniel. Then I want to move you to the second point. This is the main point of the story. This is the salvation that God provides for his people. And we want to talk about that salvation in two different ways. First, we want to talk about that salvation of the way that God preserves and comforts his people through trials and difficulties. You get to the New Testament and you get a verse like 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where we find out that, that Satan, the devil, prowls around. How is Satan described in that verse? Like a roaring lion 
looking for someone to devour. That we have an enemy, that there are trials and tribulations that come in life, but God continues to preserve and comfort his people. But that type of salvation points to the greater salvation that is provided through Jesus. Because guess what? In this world, sometimes the person you pray for doesn't survive. And sometimes the job you want doesn't come. And sometimes the baby you've hoped for never arrives the way you expect. Sometimes the way that we want that salvation to come in our life doesn't come the way we expect. What do you do in those situations? You remember that Daniel and his story was always meant to point to Jesus and the salvation that he would bring over sin and death. And here's why. Because Daniel was a servant of God who was opposed by the manipulative, prideful political leaders of the time. Jesus was a servant of God who was opposed by the manipulative, prideful political leaders of his time. Daniel was turned over to a weak leader who gave him over to death. Jesus was turned over to a weak leader, Pilate, who handed him over to death. Daniel was placed in a pit, condemned to die, and over that pit was placed a stone to cover it. Jesus was placed in a pit, in a grave, in a cave, and over that pit was placed a stone to keep him there. Daniel spent the night in a place of death. Jesus descended to the place of the dead, experiencing the silence and sorrow of Holy Saturday. Daniel came up out of the pit alive. Jesus died and then came out of the grave alive. In the Daniel story, Daniel came out of the pit alive and the enemies were crushed. In the story of Jesus, he was crushed so his enemies could be saved. In the story of Jesus, we find one who took on our sin, who took on our death and overcame it through the resurrection and in the process made possible salvation for those who were the enemies of God. And if you're wondering who the enemies of God were, that was us, friends, that we were opposed to the ways of God, that we were weighed down by the realities of sin and death. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is a way of salvation, and it's found not through Daniel, but through the new and better Daniel, Jesus. And when we devote ourselves to him, when we look to him for salvation, it changes everything about how we live. It changes everything about what we live for. We are devoted to the one who gave his life for us. The same power that preserved Daniel through the lion's den is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead and is the same power that is at work in your life when you trust in him for salvation. This morning, have you ever trusted in Jesus for salvation from sin and death? To know that Jesus took on your sin, he was crushed so that you could be saved. Have you ever experienced that? Do you know that to be true? And if you do, are you living a life of proactive prayer and consistent devotion to him, saying, God, wherever you place me, I just want to live for you. Let the dogs bark. Let the lions roar. Friends, Jesus is so much better.
Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the story of Daniel and the lion's den. God, thank you that it doesn't end with Daniel being thrown in that pit. And God, thank you that it doesn't end in the Old Testament either. God, it's a powerful story of devotion and prayer. It's a story we need to tell in Sunday school and vacation Bible school. But God, it is a story with such incredible meaning. When we think about the salvation that you provide for your people through Jesus. God, there may be people here this morning who, it was hard to walk into a church building this morning. God, for whatever reason, the idea of coming into a place like this is just difficult and uncomfortable and it took a lot of courage just to be here. And God, I pray that this simple Bible story would remind them of who you are and how you want to work in our lives. And God, I pray as a church, God, I pray that we would be so excited about what you're doing among our teenagers and our kids here at Emmaus. And God, may we never lose sight of the incredible privilege of having saints around us who are faithful to you year after year, no matter what. God, do that work in our church family. Help us to be a church of prayer, not just praying when something big comes up, but God, we'd be people that constantly pray, who are constantly devoted to you. And God, in this moment, as we sing together at the invitation, remind us that the same power that was with Daniel, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power at work in our lives today. God, would you draw people to salvation, draw people to trust you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.